There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money, I'm Glenn James and today on this very special My Millennial Story, we've got Jess, she's 25 from the Gold Coast. Jess, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat to you because it is NADOC week and due to the person that I am, I didn't really have an episode planned for Thursday so I put it out into the Facebook group and you uh, put your hand up and said you'd love to have a chat so thank you so much for joining me. Now, you're an Indigenous Australian. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what NADOC week means to you and, I don't know, any other random thoughts that come to your mind around this week each year? Yeah, so NADOC for me has really been about um, celebrating family and how lucky we are to have that family around me. So we really are a close family and we do a lot of things together. So, um, you know, we often have family gatherings with all the aunties and uncles, grandparents, cousins, everyone there. And it's really just a week to kind of share that, that culture and that family love and, you know, welcome other people in to kind of see how important family is and how supporting we are and just, you know, celebrate that we are lucky that we can have that family around us because, um, yeah, like I have grandparents, you know, still I'm lucky enough to still have them alive and they were, you know, around when times were tough for um, Indigenous Australians. So, you know, it's really about celebrating how lucky we are to have that family and to be able to celebrate that with not just our culture but with all the other cultures. And as... um, I am an early childhood teacher by background, so um, I love kind of getting to share that with, you know, the children as well and to open up those conversations with the children and their families and just, yeah, celebrating family, the love, the respect. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing because I, for me, like, whether I've travelled around the world or, um watched a program on the ABC about Indigenous Australians or whatever cultures, there is so many things that we can learn from other cultures. And the the family connection, and for me, I'm probably a little bit spiro, but the spiritual side of the Indigenous culture and the story, I just think we can learn so much. So, it's, I just love it. I've already put a note in my calendar for next year so I can do a little bit more around NADOC week and plan it. Uh, instead of doing it last minute. Uh, But yeah, I'm loving what I'm seeing online and just I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about your story. And I think, yeah, even with me as well, like I think that I'm constantly learning things about my culture and um, learning more about my family history and about things that are really meaningful to them. So it's even as an Indigenous Australian, I still have so much to learn and so much to kind of grow and, you know, develop that awareness as well. So I think it's, you know, a journey that everyone's taking. 
Love it. Well, we're going to have a bit more of a deep chat. I've broken the chat up into three sections. We're going to talk about your history. We're going to talk about life and sacrifice. We're going to talk about reflections and we're going to see where this goes. And thank you to everyone in the Facebook group for throwing in some questions that you want me to ask on these money story episodes. So Jess, strap in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so Jess, tell us a little bit about yourself. You've just alluded to that you're an early childhood teacher. We know you're 25 on the Gold Coast. You're an Indigenous Australian. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and maybe what your childhood was like growing up. Yeah, so we just moved up to the Gold Coast from Western Sydney. So we lived um, in Penrith at the bottom of the Blue Mountains, for those that don't know. So, you know, I was born there, grew up there, had my whole childhood there. It was great. I had a sister that's two years younger than me and, you know, we grew up as a close family. So we were lucky enough to play different sports, do lots of activities on the weekends, on the school holidays, you know, and share experiences as a family. Coming from Penrith, I have a big passion for the NRL and the Penrith Panthers. And I think that came from my dad because he never got the boy that he (laughs) might have hoped that he had. He ended up with a household full of girls. So, um, yeah, he, my sister was quite sporty, so she was always in um, rep sporting teams. So me and my dad spent a lot of time together growing up and he'd teach me things like to kick a football, taught me to drive. You know, he, he helped me get my first per- part-time job. So I think that growing up I really learned a lot of those skills from my dad. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was lucky enough to have, you know, a lot of family time and a really great positive childhood with lots of really nice memories. and. Yeah. Yeah, so then I yeah, studied early childhood and I discovered that I had a passion for helping children with additional needs. So I've just finished a certificate in autism and I'm enrolled to start my master's in a couple of weeks in autism. So that's really exciting and I'm you know really passionate about helping children. So I'm looking forward to that. Wonderful. And what did your parents do for uh, life and work growing up when you were growing up? So dad, um, when we were growing up, dad would work um, six days a week um, to support the family. Mum was a stay-at-home mum and she really, mum has been a stay-at-home mum for, she still is. So um, even at 25, she is still here to support us, but she's um, always worked hard with like side hustles and, you know, different ways to earn money. So she was doing cake making, cake decorating. She did party supplies for a while. So I grew up with her being home to support us, but she was always looking for those ways to earn extra money and to support our family along with dad. So, yeah. So, yeah. And I was lucky that, you know, dad always took school holidays off over Christmas. So we'd have, you know, a good four weeks together as family time. So, you know, as much as they're about working and supporting us, they put a lot of importance on that family time as well. Yeah. And what did your dad actually do for a, a job or what's his uh, prof- He works for Telstra. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, yeah, always done that yeah. the whole time, pretty yeah. much since he left school. So he, yeah, has done that for a long, long time now. Love it. Now, you're in early childhood. Would you say what you're doing now is what you kind of wanted to do growing up? I think that once I started um, working with children, so I coached a little netball team when I was maybe 15, 16, and that was when I was really like, you know, my passion is for children and I want to do something with children. 
but I didn't know what until probably maybe a year or two ago. Mm. Then I was like, um, I really enjoy helping children with additional needs. So that's when I looked at where I could go from there and the different options and it led me to studying autism. Wow. But yeah, I think for a long time, I think too, like it's, there was so much pressure when you, you know, get to year 12 and you have to pick something. And for a long time, I just was not sure. I did not know. I'd go home and, you know, mum and dad would be like, what are you going to do? What are you going to pick? And I just didn't know for a long, long time. Yeah, I think it's um, it's becoming more normal to not really know what you want to do until you're in your mid-20s. And for those that might be listening, I'd probably encourage you to go back to when you were 16 or 17 in your mind and start to kind of workshop the passions that you had because uh, I think it's just amazing if we move towards our passions as a, you know, a child or in the influential years of our life. So, so growing up, your parents, they seem like they were great parents, love spending time with the family, uh, a real rock solid role model for you. Would you say, was either one of your parents a spender or a saver uh, in terms of managing money? And do you think that you're a spender or a saver or take after your parents in that way? So I definitely would say my mum is a spender. Shout out, mum. Love you. Yeah. (laughs) Love mum, but mum's definitely the spender. And dad was more of a saver, very organised, very, he would make spreadsheets and he'd be really organised on what we spent our money on. So I think I've really inherited dad's side because I hate spending money on things that I feel. Um, aren't a priority. Yep. So I've always, yeah, just saved my money. Even when I used to get like birthday money or Christmas money, like I'd be the one that stashed it away. Yes. Um, so I think I just naturally have picked up dad's side of it. Yeah. But in saying that too, like whenever we went on a family holiday or we went to an experience, mum and dad would always make sure that we had the money there. It was never put on credit card. Um, mm. So I grew up with that mindset as well, that as much as mum was even a spender, you only spent the money you had. Yes. Yeah, so I think that was such a great lesson to learn and that's definitely like transferred to me and my sister because neither of us have credit cards and Mm. we've kind of realised the importance of only spending what you have and what you can really afford. Yes. So we know that you're probably a bit more of a saver. You don't have any uh, credit cards or consumer debt. You've got no consumer debt. Is that right? No consumer debt. Perfect. How do you work out and track your own budget or spending? Like what do you do in your life? Um, so I have a couple of separate accounts. So I have my Upbank yep. and that has um, lots of different savers on it. So I've broken up my expenses over a 12-month period. So I've got all my car, or my health insurance, my phone, everything that will come out regularly in the year or that I pay annually and I've broken that down so that that goes into the different savers there. And then we've recently got a home loan, so we now have a joint account. So money that we're not touching all goes into that account. So it's completely separate from the money in Upbank that we can touch, we can spend, we can use. And then I just kind of track the money that goes into the combined account on a spreadsheet so I know exactly what Mm. um, that money is used for. So like our emergency funds in there, the rest of the money we have to put towards our house deposits in there, the money for furniture that we need straight up is in there, 
but I know what that's kind of allocated to. So um, I think that I'm quite organised and Sounds like in it. the way that I kind of organise it, but I like to know where everything is, whereas I think my partner is a bit like, you know, as long as you know that's fine, um, then yeah. I'm totally fine with having control over that. <laughs> okay, that's a lot going on there and I love it. But I just want to, I, I wrote down we, so because you mentioned we just got a mortgage. Yep. What what did we do with the mortgage? So, we purchased a block of land on the Gold Coast. You and your partner? Um, so, yeah, together. Great. So, we currently have the mortgage for that and we are just waiting for the final approval for the construction part. So, soon we will have a construction loan as well. Great. And what does your partner do for work? He is a qualified cabinet maker. Um, so he, at the moment, he works with blind and curtain installation. Awesome. Hey, I was. This is so random. I was. You know how like you yeah. you fall asleep at night and you're like, I want to do some weird new hobby or whatever. And I was like looking on Instagram. I want to get a, a shed somewhere and buy woodworking equipment and like do woodworking stuff. Um, yeah. Does he like doing the cabinetry stuff? Loves. Yeah. That loves it. So he's all his tools are currently down in Sydney. Still we haven't moved any of that up because we don't have anywhere to put it. Yes. So shout out to his parents who are storing all of his stuff, but that's where his real passion is. So once he gets that up, um he will start yeah, trying to do his own furniture. Um, we make a lot of things like serving boards, coasters, stools. Oh, so good. Yeah, tables. Oh. Um so we were doing that as like a side hustle when we were down in Sydney and had access to it. But um, yeah, it'll be exciting for when we get a, get a house and he can get back into that. Absolutely. Now, is he a spender or a saver? When I first met him, he was definitely a spender. But he's had the so, leash put on, the saving yeah, leash. So I think what it was really is um, we went on a holiday to Fiji yep. and he kind of realised that he loved traveling and to travel you obviously have to save yeah so then after that holiday he kind of jumped into that saving mindset and was really like you know well I want to save towards another holiday so we saved and we went to Hawaii and then we saved and we went to a big European holiday and then after that he's like well I really want to save for a house now Mm. So I think it was just that that small moment that little holiday kind of triggered the mindset and was like well I don't want to just spend my money anymore. I really want it to go towards something that I enjoy, that I love doing and, um, yeah, just progress from there. So, I yeah. would say he's definitely now a saver as well. Well, I, I think it's funny, like most people I speak to who are like quote-unquote not good with money, you get a serious goal in front of them and it's amazing how uh, the habits can change because almost the want will be greater than the need to be frivolous. Um, so, for anyone listening who could be a bit sloppy with their money, uh, I would ask you, do you have a solid goal and a solid system to achieve that goal? And I, I would say, like, you've got all the accounts with UpBank. That's probably fraught with danger if you are a spender by nature. So, if you are a spender by nature it's probably worth having money in separate accounts. Have you? Did you find like with your joint accounts that you've had to have some of them out of sight, out of mind, or have you both been pretty good? Yeah, it definitely helps. We both have been pretty good, I think, because we're at this stage where we know what our money is going for, 
towards mm. and we have that goal there. But I think it definitely helps that that one is more than out of sight, out of mind. It's just on a nap. Yep. I haven't connected the card. Like I've got the card in my wallet, but I barely take my wallet anywhere these days. So like the car's not accessible. It's just the up bank card. Mm. Um, so it really is just out of sight and it's just checking every now and then to make sure that, you know, the home loan money is coming out, that the expenses that need to come out are coming out. But other than that, it's not really, yeah. you know, like, oh, look, I've got all this money in there. Um, I can see it. I can touch it nearly. It's more just like it's there and it's only there if I need it. Yeah, no, that's good. All right, so moving on to life and sacrifice. I've kind of titled this because these questions are about life and sacrifices. And uh, yeah. <laughs> for, for everyone listening, I, I probably sh- like I, when I talk with people like you, Jess, I learn stuff and want to just kind of make a commentary on the situation. So I hope that's okay, everyone. But Jess, do you talk about money with your friends or family or coworkers? What's that been like in your situation? So I think that really has changed over time. So as much as um, I learned a lot of great money lessons off my parents, it was never a topic that really was openly discussed or talked about. It just didn't really get mentioned. And I think that's then transferred into the rest of my life. So it's not something that I've really ever spoken about with friends or with family or with colleagues at work. It's just really been something that's seen as private and that um, you know, you kind of look at yourself, but over these last couple of, of years since um, me and my sister have looked at saving for a house and moving out of home, we really went like, well, we need to learn about what we need to do. We need to learn about all these things that might cost us money, like um, our health insurance, our car insurance even, like mum and dad were responsible for a lot of that and for supporting us with that, but it was kind of like learning how do we do all this on our own. Mm. So I think that's really opened up the conversation in our family and it really is more of a open conversation now and we'll sit at dinner and we'll talk about investing or we'll talk about did you have you read this, have you seen this article, um, have you heard about this, have you checked this with your superannuation. So I think it's been a really great progression into something that we can openly sit and have a chat about or bring up mum and dad and say, oh, have you heard about this? Um, so I think that's been really great and it's been really even good, I think, in a way for mental health. Like it doesn't feel like we're just sitting and we've got all these stress and all these worries and I have to manage all this money and I have to do all these adult things that I wasn't doing a year or two ago. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, I've got mum there to support me got my sister there to support me and we can have these open family discussions now and that's okay. Yeah. And I think the whole thing about money, right? Like a million years ago or back in the day where it was so taboo to talk about money, like most people, we're not going around at the work table or the dinner table and be like, oh, I now earn 70 grand. Aren't I good? It's it's not about big noting your income, um, because you can have a good open conversations about money without disclosing your income because you can talk about concepts, you can talk about, oh, I'm really trying to save $3,000 for, for this or that. Uh, so do you find it is more around the concepts and the ideas rather than pinning the conversation to, all right, what's everyone earning? Let's go around in the circle. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think there really has been a, a big shift in um, how we perceive money and what it means to actually talk about money. So I think developing our knowledge in that and that the fact that to talk about money, you don't have to talk about your pay or what you earn, that you can have these general important discussions. So I think that shift in our thinking and even in our family context has really op- allowed us to open up more and to have these good discussions where we can still keep our information to ourselves, but mm. we can still talk about money and that that's okay. Totally. So I think, yeah, and even, you know, with people like my mum and dad who have come from a bit of a background where, you know, you just work hard for, you know, to earn what you do and to support your family, you don't talk about money or what you earn to then see their shift today um, has been really great and it's good for, I know it's good for myself and it's been really good for my sister too to kind of be able to have those chats with them now and to see that even they are still learning and that there's always going to be something to learn. Yeah. So, you're 25, your sister's 23. Yeah. Uh, is she at university or working? What's she doing? She is an occupational therapist. Oh, so good. It's such a booming industry, actually. It is. She is just, her caseload is full. <laughs> I'll tell you something so wild, right? So, I've got a friend of mine who's an OT and it's like, if they come over, I've got to like move the cables out of the way and all that. And I've started to notice like different things at different places. And I was at a, a doctor's surgery the other day and in the waiting area, they had like these, uh, do you know the plastic mats that you put chairs on at desks? Yeah. They, yep. they had like two of them at the front counter and like this was an orthopedic surgery, right? Like I was there to get my wrist checked out because I'm getting surgery and then people were walking in with like crutches and boots and I said to the reception, like I didn't want to be that guy but I couldn't help myself. I'm like, are these things on the floor a trip hazard or is it just me? <laughs> 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 like you're an occupation, like you're an orthopedic yeah, surgery yeah. for crying out loud, and they're like, "Oh no, we don't think so." I'm like, "All right, sorry, I'll butt out, but I'm right." Oh man, yeah, no, and she's really good to go. Like all the family will ring her and be like, "I've got this problem. What should I do?" Yeah, so it's really funny to see that. But even like for me, I think with being an early childhood teacher by background, like she's. I'm so lucky to have her to be like, oh, what can we do for this child or how can I help this family? So it's Mm. been really good to have her there and not just for the family or for these random things, but she's really helpful to have in general and in my career. Totally. So uh, my uh, side rant about trip hazards, are both of you paying rent or board, sorry? Is there an expectation of contributing or are your parents like, it's cool, just don't be here when you're 40 years old type vibe. What's the situation in your household? Yeah, so when we were in Sydney and living at home, we weren't paying board. Mum and dad said, as long as you're working or you're studying full time, that they didn't expect us to contribute to rent or board or anything like that. Um, So we just had to buy, like if we wanted any snacks or we wanted any different lunches or anything, that was our responsibility, but it wasn't a set amount to contribute and it was only um, if we wanted anything extra over what mum and dad were happy to do. Like if you wanted Um, connoisseur ice cream instead of like Peter's or something. Yeah. Um, so we did that for ourselves and then we paid for like our phone bill, our cars, um, all those expenses that were ours, but we didn't, yeah, we were lucky enough to not have to contribute towards rent or Mm. board or really the big groceries. Um, and then we moved up to the Gold Coast over Christmas. 
Um, and since then, my sister has brought a house. So she's currently paying off her mortgage and I contribute money to her for having me and my partner living here for now until our house is done. Right. So we've kind of, yeah, broken up the expenses. Um, we have the grocery shop each week and yeah, I just contribute money to her based off the expenses that, yeah, I'm kind of using. So, yeah. yeah. So, why are you contributing to her? Like, what's the situation with her house? She's bought a house um, and they are paying off the mortgage, obviously. So, she will do the expenses that she would have to pay anyway. So, she will pay for her mortgage repayment. She pays for- Is there a tenant um, in there? rates. No. So, we're living in there. Oh, your family's living in your sister's house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, why are we- I was going to say, can you give me some money for my mortgage? (laughs) (laughs) We're like her tenants. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So, yeah. So, she will pay for all the things that she would have to pay if we weren't here. And then we contribute towards like electricity, water, groceries- um, all those expenses that yeah. we are using as well. So we've yeah been able to work out a really good system and it's working so far. So um, hopefully it continues to work that way for the next few months. But yeah, we're really lucky that she's let us, you know, do this and because mm. it's really helping us still save while our house is getting built. So yeah, we're really lucky to be in this situation. So technically, you're not living with your parents you're Not living anymore. everyone's living at their sister at the sister's the daughter and the sister's house yep yep <laughs> the roles have changed yeah so mum and dad are living there as well like the whole family so mum and dad visit quite regularly but they're staying with different family for majority of the week yeah right <laughs> yeah so yeah we did um a lot of mum's side of the family, which is the Indigenous side, they live um, northern New South Wales. Right. So um, they stay there majority of the week and then they often come up and visit, oh. usually like for two or three nights a week sometimes. Or oh, that's last nice. Or last time they stayed for four. So, um, yeah. yeah, they have a bit of flexibility. But, um, yeah, we're really lucky. Yeah, so why did you guys all move up north from Penrith in the first place? Was it a career thing, a lifestyle thing? Was just wanted to be closer to family. What was that reason? Yeah, so I think it was a bit of a combination. So it really was being a bit closer to family. So mum and dad would often come up and visit um, several times a year to their family. And then me and my sister, when we came up, we would absolutely love it. Mm. So it just happened to be the right time for all of us to move. But it was also more about um, lifestyle and the cost of things. So for us to get a home down there, would be something really small, really expensive, would need a lot of work done to it. Whereas up here, we could afford to buy land, build a house, have that family home that we see ourselves having and still be affordable. Yeah. Um, so I think that played a big role in the final decision um, in looking at, okay, we could have a better lifestyle in a location that we know we love and it just happened to be the right timing for all of us to move together. Yeah, that's and good. And because, yeah, family has always been something that is really important to all of us. It was, yeah, really lovely that we could all move up in a sim- you know, within a month of each other to start this new lifestyle together. So, yeah. And I would go out on a limb to say uh, Gold Coast is closer to the beach than Penrith. <laughs> Way closer. And that's, yeah, definitely one thing that we loved. And when we were staying 
with family initially in northern New South Wales, we could literally walk to the beach, whereas we'd have to drive like an hour at least down there and sit in traffic. So we're all loving it up here. What suburb Um, is your block of land and your house going to be built in? So the suburb will be Coomera. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it worked out to be, we kind of looked at it as like um, a good starting opportunity. We could get, you know, a good four bedroom, two bathroom family home that we were looking at getting. Um, and in a suburb where a lot of amenities around it are still being built, like the schools being built, shopping centres, sporting facilities. So, um, yeah, we've seen lots of room for growth and a lot of room. Yeah, just kind of set up our future. So I just want to back engineer this next question because the question was going to be, what's the biggest sacrifice you'd be willing to make in order to save towards your goals? And in back engineering it, it sounds like, well, we had to move interstate uh, to establish and build that dream home in the dream location. Would that be a fair thing to say that that was a, a sacrifice? Yeah, definitely. And it was really was a big sacrifice because my partner and I were in jobs that we had been in for over five years. Like we were really safe, really secure, loved what we were doing, but it was weighing up whether we wanted to stay in a work that we were happy with or we wanted to create a lifestyle for ourselves that we really loved. Um, so it was a big sacrifice because we were not only leaving his family behind, but we were also leaving behind safe, secure jobs. We were, you know, happy in those roles. But yeah, we ended up choosing, you know, the lifestyle and, you know, a different opportunity and it's worked out well for us so far. Even with all the things happening with the pandemic, like everyone was saying, you know, you're going to have trouble getting jobs. What are you going to do? Like this might be a really big mistake. But for us, we set a goal. We really wanted to achieve that goal. We were able to get jobs no problem. We worked really hard to kind of get to where we were. So, um, yeah, it really was a big sacrifice and it took a lot of work. But because we were determined and it was something we decided we really wanted to do, we were able to, yeah, really achieve that and set ourselves up to where we are today. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, congratulations on making that sacrifice. Because for me, one thing you didn't mention, which is probably a big deal in everyone's life with moves like this, is uh, the friendship networks. And I would really struggle to move away from all my friends. Yeah. Well, I think too, they now have a really great holiday destination to come to. Very true. Very true. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it's been a bit easier. Like my partner plays the PlayStation, so he will get on there and connect with all his friends. So he's still really connected, still enjoys being with them. It's just slightly different. So yeah, I think for my sister as well, I think she's mentioned the friend thing a few times and that it's different not having friends here. Mm. But we see that you know, our really good friends will come up and visit us. And we've all been back down to Sydney since we've moved in the last six months. So um, we'll make the trips down there. But we're also excited for all the new friendships that will form. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh. So I think it's, yeah, just about I think getting out there and building those new networks and connections. Love it. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and bring this chat home with some reflections. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. 
Okay, we are back. Now, Jess, if I said to you, what do you think the best thing you've ever done is? And it doesn't have to be related to money, a tangible item, anything. What would that be? I think that definitely would be um, travelling. So I went to Europe for seven weeks. Oh, great. And that's, yeah, definitely the best experience that I've had. So I was lucky enough to go once with family. So um, my auntie is Italian and we got to spend some time with her family in Italy. So we got to go to a lot of the traditional places, experience the food um, and all those exciting things. And then I was lucky enough to go back with my partner a few years later. And I think those two experiences have really, um, were lovely and they were great and they've really kind of shaped who I am and added to the person that I've become today. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. I know a lot of people would say the traveling thing is, um, is one of the best things. What do you think the worst money mistake you've ever learned from is, if you've got one, you could be perfect? Oh, definitely not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was just like, you know, when you're, when I was younger, you know, all your friends are going out, you want to do the things that your friends are doing. So you just spend money because they're spending money. Yeah. And I think it was really, not that, you know, I don't regret any of the things I did, but I, could see that I did spend a lot more money than what I could have and I was just, you know, freely being like, yeah, I'll spend drinks here or, yeah, I'll go to this music festival. That's another $200, $300 and I wouldn't even think twice. Mm. So I think it was just not necessarily a bad money mistake but it was just more not being aware of how much money I was actually just aimlessly spending and just happy to be like, yeah, I'll spend it here or I'll spend it here. Mm. And that even was with a saver mindset like I was – you know, wouldn't go out and just spend money because, but when you're with your friends and you're doing things and then, you know, you just tend to, I think, spend more money than what you're really thinking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, over the years that probably added up to quite a bit of money and I definitely don't regret it at all, you know, it all added to my life and to the experience, but it was probably more just developing that awareness of what I was doing and yeah. how much money I actually was spending and that it could be okay to go out and have a few drinks, but I don't have to go and spend hundreds of dollars just to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. What would you tell your younger self if you could uh, go back 10 years? To start investing and stop procrastinating on that because yeah. I was researching it for a long time and I just always thought, I don't have the knowledge. I don't know enough. I don't know where to start. And then I've got to the stage now where I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm, mm. Um, so I think it would just be like, you know, if you want to do something to do it, like to stop second guessing myself. Do you have a little investment account at the moment? I Yeah, we do. We started maybe a month or two ago. It took, yeah, you know, a good maybe five years of me looking and reading about it to actually do something. Yeah. What do you use? Um, so I use Comsec Pocket yeah, and nice. Superhero at the moment. Oh, cool, cool. And what are you investing in? Uh, on Comsec Pocket, investing in the ASX 200. Great. Um, and on Superhero, uh, there's a bit in some Vanguard yeah. um, portfolios, I think, the yep. high growth one. Yep, yep. Yeah, and oh. then we've been looking at um, getting into maybe a sustainability one or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now that we've started, it's kind of like, why did I wait so long? Like, I wish I had just yeah. stopped second guessing myself. And but you know, it's almost like you've it. 
you've had a good, like you've, number one, you've stayed out of consumer debt. So yeah. big tick. Yeah. You've done a lot of traveling, live life, big tick. You're building a house, big tick. Uh, yeah. Even if you just left the investing on trickle mode for 10 minutes while you finished the house and then swung back around and, and started to get, like you can't break anything if you keep out of consumer no, debt. Yeah. Like it's really good. If a friend of yours were like, oh, I need some money advice, Jess. What should I do? What's the number one thing you would tell them to do or not to do? I think it would be more about just increasing awareness. So until I was aware and I started listening to things like um, your podcast and reading a bit more about it, I didn't really understand a lot of what money really meant or mm. what it, you know, its purpose was. Like up until like a year ago, I probably had no idea of what the real purpose of superannuation was. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's more like not even changing your habits or doing anything to start with, but like just increasing that awareness. Yeah, yeah, because you've got to like, yeah, just got to know and have some information. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good answer. Actually, um, I'm going to steal that sometime <laughs> and use it somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think because like even at you know 24, like I didn't learn about superannuation. I learn about what health insurance actually does. Not that I, you know, that my family just want me to have it. It's more like, okay, well, what's the purpose of this and what does it actually do? Like, I think just understanding those little things that you could easily just, you know, spend money towards or just write off as being something that has to be done anyway. So I'm just going to do it. So Mm. it's just, yeah, that awareness has just opened my eyes to so many things. Yeah, that's really good. Do you support any charities or non-profit either with time, money or respect? If yes, who or why? I don't support any charities, but I do work for a not-for-profit and I love it. Awesome. Love it. Um, Yeah, so I feel like I would love to kind of find a charity or something that I could volunteer at or, you know, kind of give back to a bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying my current role. The the non-for-profit situation, like, you know, Most of the time, if you worked uh, for a profit company, you would generally be paid more. uh, And this is a really broad brush stroke. Uh, But so I think it is noble where when people do work for a non-for-profit because often it's a conscious choice that I believe in this and I like this, therefore I'm okay for a, a maybe a lower rate than I might get out in a uh, evil commercial capitalist company. Yeah. Yeah. And that was definitely the case when I was in Sydney, I worked for a beautiful community preschool mm. and I knew that like I could go somewhere else and get more money than what I was on, but I loved the work that I was doing. Mm. I loved the support I was able to give to the families and the children. And for me, that was worth staying in that place for, you know, over five years. So yeah, yeah I think it's definitely a bit of what I get out of those roles as well. And when I did move to a place that was for profit, I definitely noticed a difference and I didn't enjoy it anywhere near as much. I didn't get as much satisfaction out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really loving being back at a not-for-profit and, yeah, really feeling like I am making a difference and that um, the people for the company actually appreciate that, mm. di- you know, the difference in the effort that you're putting in. Yeah, no, that's really good. Anything else you want to say if I open up the mic and just throw to you? I don't know if you want to, you know, tell everyone to go for the Panthers or whoever you support or <laughs> um, <laughs> any, any, anything open mic. 
Yeah, I just think um, like for me and my sister coming from that Indigenous background, it's really been about, you know, we've just worked really hard and taken the opportunities that, you know, we've been able to create for ourselves because we came from a family where um, people didn't go to university mm. and they didn't, you know, look at all those things that they could do and that was okay because they worked hard and they did what they needed to support their family but I think for us it's yeah been really good for us to kind of be like yeah we can go to university and we can do this and we can try things and be successful like my Indigenous cousin she's really gotten into photography and she's really interested in um, following her dreams there and she if she COVID didn't hit last week, then she would have been able to go and do some photos for Queensland tourism and take some photos of natural Aboriginal sites and all those places. So I think it's really about just, you know, following your dreams mm. and, you know, making it happen. And, you know, we've been lucky enough to come from supportive families. But, yeah, just still being able to, you know, extend ourselves and follow our dreams and just, yeah, not being held back or... Mm. You know, just going for it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, and you were saying before we hit record at the start that your parents listen to the podcast sometimes. Yeah. So, mum and dad, I've flicked them through episodes when they start talking to me about things. So, I've got my dad into investing. So, um, so he's on the investing train and I just sent him through all the episodes that um, the My Millennial podcast had on it. Yeah. And then recently they've started tossing up the idea of rent vesting because they are struggling to find somewhere that they love to buy and live in. Yeah. So, um, they're t- looking at buying in a more affordable suburb and then renting in an area that they really want to live in because mum's criteria is to be able to walk to the beach in a coffee shop, which is really expensive. Yeah. No, I I respect her criteria. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they've been, yeah, now listening to those rent vesting podcasts and, yeah, they're really loving what they can um, learn from it and get out of it and even as – you know, someone who's a bit older than that millennial generation, they're still getting so much out of podcasts. Yeah. And and the reason I asked that, because you'll probably um, forward this episode to them. And I just wanted to say to your parents that they've done a such a wonderful job at raising you, like you switched on, you dialed in, you've got a great heart, you're going places and... Yeah, I just want to say well done to your parents. Thank you. So. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, we're very, 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 very lucky mm-hmm. that I've had yeah, wonderful, supportive parents. Well, there you have it. We might leave it there. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on at such short notice and just sharing a bit of your story for NADOC Week. And for everyone out there listening, we actually support the First Nations Foundation and they uh, focus on financial literacy uh, in the Indigenous community all around Australia. So we support them by sharing the words of what they do and also financially. So thank you, uh for doing the the good work out there, First Nations Foundation. And thank you so much, Jess, for sharing some time with us today. Thank you for having me. And yeah, it's lovely to hear that you're supporting a foundation like that as well. Well, I really wanted to, you know, support uh, charities. Like we support a variety of charities and it's just a particular, uh, I guess, concern and interest to me that uh, we do support Indigenous financial literacy because, you know, I had 
Phil, the CEO of the foundation on the podcast, and there's some alarming stats there. And I think, yeah, as I said, we can support them by spreading the word and we can support them financially. So uh, I try and do both. So Yeah, I love that. (laughs) All right, Jess, thank you so much and we will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.